Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. After a two-week hiatus, welcome to another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. We've got a good amount of content for you guys this week. Uh, we do apologize; um, life happens as usual. So we'll, you know, we'll get right into it. The Ryder Cup starts this weekend uh, and tomorrow, exactly. Obviously, Team USA versus Team Europe. You know, the best golfers in the supposed best golfers that the United States has to offer against the supposed best golfers that the European continent has to offer. I'll have you take it away, sir. All right. So, yeah, now that the teams are finally finalized, um, USA looking like they're going with the same strategy that hasn't worked for years, um, considering we're two and seven uh, in a Ryder Cup play against Team Europe, even though. USA is always favored to win because we always go send the best ranked players, not really the best team players, but who am I to say? But no, this is going to look fun. I mean, as much as it kills me to say being an American, like you, there's no one on team uh, Europe that you cannot root for. All of the guys are just fun guys to watch. And there's no, nothing bad you can say about any of the guys on their team. I mean, I'll name them off real fast. Uh, Team Europe consists of Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, Sergio Garcia, Terrell Hatton, Victor Hovland, Shane Lowry, Rory McIlroy, who just everyone loves, Ian Poulter, John Rahm, who is the best player in the world right now, uh, Bernard Wurstberger, and Lee Westwood. Um, I mean, all those guys, like when you hear those names, there's nothing uh, you can hear wrong about them. So, yeah, like you said, the Ryder Cup does start tomorrow with the opening ceremonies. Um, and then on Friday, we'll get the actual tournament started with, the, I believe, Friday is the four-ball play, or alternate shot, excuse me. So that's where you're going to see more of the team play. Um, it's match play format for the, all, the whole tournament, which makes it fun. Then Sunday, consisting of just a singles uh, pairing, and I believe they pick four or five four or I don't even know it may be I, I don't even know how many guys they pick for Sunday but it's definitely going to be a fun week and I mean clearly a lot of people are talking about Team USA just based on the fact that Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka are on the same team and it has been known that they're not fans of each other oh uh, we have talked about in this podcast I mean I saw uh the U.S. Ryder Cup team uh social media manager put up a video of Brooks and Bryson talking to each other and they're trying to like jam that down our throats that they seem cool. Um, I'm not really sure. I kind of have my thoughts now on their few, whether it might have been fake or not, just so they can get the more money when it comes to that, uh, the end of year bonus now that they have for bringing ice to the game. Um, there's talks about their whole few being fake, but it just seems like those two being together, talking is being jammed down our throat. Um, don't get me wrong. USA does have, clearly great talent on the team. I mean, clearly my, I mean, we got Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, who I believe will probably be one of the pairings we will see on Friday. I mean, they haven't officially named the pairings yet, but it's just hard. I I, I would assume that they're going to be our first group off uh, uh, Jordan Thomas or Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. 
Um, and I will assume that they will probably go up against Rory McIlroy and John Rahm just because both teams are going to want to get the crowd fired up, even though there won't be many European fans in the stands because of the COVID travel restrictions over there in Europe and coming to the U.S. So it's going to be a packed house for the U.S. It really is home field advantage. But um, like I said, 2-7 and seven in Ryder Cup play against Team Europe, I, I, I really don't see how Europe can really – how they lose is just because how they are in their team play and how close of a tightened the team they have compared to the U.S. I get it doesn't matter. They're playing golf anyways. They're just hitting shots. But if you get guys that are not putting on alternate shot days, not putting shots in the fairway for their other partners and they're having bad shots, team morale can go down super fast. So that's why I always like the team Europe just because all those guys, it seems, whenever they come in, they want to win and be at the Ryder Cup. Uh, whereas, I mean, you heard it from Brooks Kepka uh, in his interview a couple of days ago saying people don't, on Team USA, some of them don't really care about uh, the Ryder Cup as much as other tournaments, like talking about majors and stuff, which I don't get why not, because you get one team tournament a year minus the match Dell play now, and you're representing your country, so I don't know why you wouldn't want to go out and try. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm sure they try, but they just don't care as much as Team Europe does. So... My thing about this is, as a golf fan, I'm excited for the Ryder Cup. I always enjoy. I I, I like when I like both the Ryder Cup and the Presidents Cup. Like I always look forward to them after the season ends because, like you know, it's Team USA versus Europe or Team USA versus like the rest of the world and however they do it in the Presidents Cup, obviously. But the thing is, though, is like the Ryder Cup is a prestigious competition in my in my opinion because the thing is though up until 20 up until 2016 in rio golf like really wasn't represented on an international level in terms of like some sort of international competition um uh, which is why the Ryder cup and president's cup exist you have like team usa the best, so that you the supposed best golfers in the United States of America are picked, which always isn't the best strategy, like you said. Go up against players who are very good at match play, the supposed best match play play uh, golfers in Europe for the Ryder Cup, and the same thing for the rest of the best match play golfers for the rest of the world in the President's Cup, which will happen next year, obviously. But the thing is, though, is like. It kind of annoys me when the Ryder Cup gets downplayed by people that are actually playing in the tournament. Because the thing is, though, is we all know that, let's be honest, Team USA doesn't really pick the best golfers for match play. They just pick the best golfers who they feel can hit a shot on a golf course. We've talked about that many times there. Um, whereas Team Europe picks the players who they feel will gel together as a unit and they can get the job done in a match play scenario because, as we all know, or if you don't know, they golf. Prior, prior, their main priority in terms of golfing, based on score, based on how play happens, used to be match play. So the Europeans have a huge advantage compared to Americans in terms of how the Ryder Cup is because they fare in match play much better than we do. And at the same time, too, going off of what you said there, this Ryder Cup actually will be good for golf in terms of we do have quite possibly 
some of the best talent in the world on both the European side and the American side. And once again, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau come to the spot, come into the spotlight because they're both on the Ryder Cup team. Who knows what's going to happen there? We don't know exactly what's going to happen. You're right that you, what you are saying about how the rivalry was being like made fake because of like, you know, growing the game of golf. We don't know exactly how true that is. Um, I do remember Bryson DeChambeau actually say, uh, joking about it in his press conference with the media a couple days ago, joking. Uh, he said that uh, he doesn't, he said that he doesn't really have any beef with him going into the Ryder cup talked about maybe working with him together during and after the Ryder cup as well. So who knows exactly where that rivalry actually stands? Yeah. Um. What What do you think? Before we get off of these two, what do you think the odds are of them being paired up on either a Friday or I believe, I believe I think I said around. I think Friday's the four ball, then Saturday's the four sums, which is the alternate shot. But what do you think the odds are that they are paired up when it comes to the four sums? Would you think? Do you think Steve Stricker will actually? pick them to be partners together or do you think they kind of do you think they kind of I I know here they already like Mickelson came out in an interview and said there's really no shot that's going to happen but the end of the day is not Mickelson's say um being Mickelson being one of the vice captains for Team USA but I'm just curious if that could be a thing at all if they would be paired up or because I'm not really shot to like clear we don't know the pairings yet we can only guess right now yeah I'm just curious my, as to what you think. And then I have one more thing after you answer this question for you as well. My thing is there is if Steve Stricker wants to win. Actually, no, you know what? If Steve Stricker wants to win, you put them on, you put them pairing together, actually. Because that's, that's thing, where I am as well. Okay. And also at the same time, you're going to get ratings out of it too if you put them together. Because as we all know, a rivalry like that, everybody like on the golf course, everybody wants to see the rivals paired together. Everybody wants to see like how they, if they could, if and how they could work together in a tournament setting like this. It was like when Fred Couples uh, paired Mickelson and Tiger Woods together um, years ago, and clearly it didn't work out when it happened. But he's like, I'm going to put these two together because. Instead of them butting heads, maybe they could actually come together. But all right, I do want to win this for our country. And yes, even though I hate this guy, we can play golf together. That's where I'm thinking like we should go with that because I mean clearly both of the Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Hepp are both clearly great golfers. So I mean it would be a good team to see together, but I just don't know how what they're gonna do with the media. They're gonna try to keep those two away from each other or what's gonna happen. Oh, no, you put them two together, and if they actually do hate each other, they'll just build their anger towards the golf match. And the thing is, though, yeah. is, like, if they actually get angry enough at each other, if they get angry enough, like, while they're golfing together, <laughs> pray for the Europeans they're going up against. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, if these two hate each other so much, put them together, and they're going to, instead, because clearly they're not going to get mad at each other on the course, they're going to take it out and try to play good golf just to show, like, that they shouldn't be shit-talking each other. Um, I don't know if it'll work or not, but I mean, even like you said, it just brings ratings. It brings us eyes to the game regardless. So even, even if you lost that match, I mean, you could, you still have great teams you could really put together. I mean, we have 
one of like Colin Morikawa is the best iron player in the game. I think I honestly think whoever Morikawa was paired up with, I would assume uh, just being just thinking to myself, I would assume that Team USA is going to match him up with Tony Finau, and because Tony Finau is a long driver, and then so for people that don't know alternate shot, basically if Tony Finau hit his shot off the tee, Colin Morikawa would then hit the next shot that's either in the fairway or the rough or whatever. And that is how I would look at like a pairing for Morikawa. If, if USA is actually trying to get points, you just put the best drivers up with the best iron players. That is how, if I was Steve Stricker, I, that's a pairing that I would be looking for. I would do that on an overall basis when you actually think about it. figure out who the best, who the better driver. Take a look at who the best drivers are on the team and pair them with who has the better iron or short game and go from there. So, who knows? Maybe Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau could actually be a pairing then. I really do hope so. Um, but I, I just hope that, because clearly, I, I think you know as well, on Tuesday, Bryson DeChambeau, I believe, is flying right to Columbus and competing in the long drive world championships or whatever. And yes. I just hope his head isn't there. Because I do want to see Team USA win, even though I really do think, unfortunately, Europe is going to win again. Um I just hope his head isn't there. Oh, I I hope not either. I mean, obviously, like, that's just – I believe that that's more of a publicity stunt for him, honestly, because we all know how far he can drive a golf ball. Well, I think, what, I think, he, I think he was actually into it because if you follow him on Instagram for, like, the past two, three weeks, all he was posting was his long drives trying to, like, get ready for the uh, – long drive contest and then he got so much backlash online from it now every time you see him post something on his social media he says like at the end of it is like hashtag rider cup practice um so like, i i think at first he was genuinely more concerned about the long drive and then he got some backlash from it and he kind of changed up his attitude towards it well like, that's, thing- that just goes to show though like how like we brought up right in the beginning how like ut usa really doesn't care about this as much as the europeans do and it shows that the record against them. Yeah, it does actually, which is pretty sad because, like I said, the Ryder Cup is a as I mentioned before, the Ryder Cup is a prestigious tournament, um, and we just don't have any luck against the Europeans. And it seems to be the case that we just don't care to participate in the tournament, uh, and not just like this team, this current Ryder Cup team, but Ryder Cup teams of the past. So, I mean. It ha- I mean, I don't know what the headspace is in terms of it. I don't know, like, where everybody stands, obviously. Um, I don't – I'm not there. I'm not in, I'm not in Wisconsin uh, for the Ryder Cup. Uh, I, do, I do have a quote-unquote inside source at the Ryder Cup. Uh, a friend of mine is uh, working at uh, the Ryder Cup in the merchandising tent area. Tell him to um, steal us something. <laughs> <laughs> he bought a shit ton of stuff like a couple days ago because <laughs> that was their only time that they were able to like actually shop in the store before like because this week is crazy obviously like it's Ryder Cup week itself so like everybody is like all hands on deck getting prepared for the tournament. Right, but, the fans love this tournament more than the players do. I feel for in USA oh, in USA terms at least. Oh, everybody! Oh, honestly, like the fans, the people that are working there, whoever's like, it's a once. In, it, it, it's uh, it's. I will. I, I want to say once in a lifetime, but the, and it kind of is actually because it does. Like it alternates between the two between the United States and a European course every two years, 
and obviously the courses aren't the same. So I guess it is a once in a lifetime experience for anybody that has a chance to be there, whether you're working there, you're golfing there, or uh, just being a spectator in all likelihood too. So, but yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, I, like I said, I have a quote unquote inside source, but not really an inside source because he's in the merchandising section, which means he's probably nowhere near the action. Well, uh, I mean, you could sneak off there. Heard people that work it tend to sneak off and can get inside the ropes at these kind of tournaments. I mean, I've heard stories of people at Augusta doing that. So it can't be that hard at the Ryder Cup, I would assume. But <laughs> no, that, that good for him for being there. I would love to be there um, just to see the atmosphere. I mean, people are going to be going crazy there with all the U.S., especially with really no European fans being there. You're, the USA crowd is going to be very, very loud. Oh, oh, it's, gonna, oh it's huge. It's going to be pro U. Obviously pro USA because of the COVID travel restrictions and everything. Um, uh, because even though you, the United States did eventually start lifting some travel restrictions on some European countries, they don't take effect until the end of the month, beginning of October. So definitely an advantage towards us in the Ryder Cup. And we'll see how the crowd plays a factor into this too. Because the thing is, though, is like, like you said, it may be pro USA in terms of like all only Americans are there, but true. But what really will kind of scare me is that true golf fans may root for the European players just based on who is on the European team. Yeah, exactly. Um, there, there is only one way I could see Team USA winning the Ryder Cup. Europe just forgets and, how to golf. No, Tiger Woods shows up and. He gives the team a pep talk and he's walking around the course with the team or whatever he needs to do to get around. But if Tiger Woods showed up, I really think the odds for USA should go up even. I think if right Tiger now, Woods shows think, up, Europe might as well just get back on a plane. And I, I mean, Tiger Europe. Woods said, uh, Steve Stricker said he has been talking to Tiger Woods and he said Tiger Woods plans on helping the team in some form, whether it's being there or over phone calls and stuff. Um, I don't think over the phone he's going to help that much. But I think if Tiger Woods just say, like, just say on Friday, you know, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas are about to go up on the first tee. They're the first pairing of the day. And then you see the GOAT Tiger Woods just walk walk through that underpass to get up to the first tee. And that crowd would just erupt. And I think everyone on Team USA needs to play the best golf they ever had just because Tiger Woods is there cheering them on. And they need to win this for Tiger Woods. Because, oh. I mean, he really carried us uh, two years ago now at the President's Cup. And he's just, I mean, everyone loves Tiger Woods. I mean, even the European players would probably be in awe that he is there, even though they have seen him play before. A lot of them played with him. I mean, Rory McIlroy is like one of his closest friends now. So, Oh, I agree. I agree there. It's kind of, if Tiger Woods shows up, it'll kind of be like how we won the U.S. won in 2016 after Arnold Palmer died. Um, after the first, before the first tee, they placed Arnold Palmer uh, a bat, Arnold Palmer's bag from I, I, one of the majors he had won at the first tee, and then all of a sudden, like we just like woke up and won the Ryder Cup. I'm like, holy shit, we actually didn't lose. So it's kind of like you know that um, uh, the presence, the aura, the mystique. So, like, obviously, like, you know, Arnold Palmer, like, Tiger Woods is not dead, obviously. But the thing is, though, is, like, the legend that is Tiger Woods, you know, just comes out of nowhere and 
just it, it pretty much like strike fear into the Europeans. Yeah, especially yeah. since we haven't really seen a public tiger since uh since his accident that he had happened. I mean, I mean, people have seen pictures of him online. I know some of the players have gone to his house and talked to him and stuff. But I mean, the fans haven't really seen him. The players haven't really seen him out and like in public and stuff. So that would just bring, like you said, a whole new aurora. And I think there's no if Tiger Woods shows up, there's no way USA loses this weekend. But if he doesn't show up, they're screwed. They genuinely are screwed. Oh, I mean, I think John Rahm might like kill someone on the course, like if he needs to to win this tournament. (laughs) John Rahm, he is just a different type of level of golfer. He is unreal. And whoever is paired up against him on Sunday, I feel bad for whoever they team USA pairs up against John Rom, especially if it comes down to one point. And like Rom's the last one coming in on eight, like coming on 18, Rom's the last one. You know he's winning this tournament. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. Now, prediction time for the Ryder Cup. You're taking Europe. I already know you are. You said it multiple times. Um, unless Tiger Woods just pops out of nowhere. Um, uh, but for the most part, you're taking Europe. Um, you need fourteen. You need fourteen and a half to win. So, how much does Europe? So, how much does Europe win by? If, um, uh, if since you're taking them, I'm gonna go sixteen ten to Europe. Sixteen ten to Europe. Yeah, sixteen ten Europe. I mean, back in 2018, what was it? Seventeen and a half to ten and a half, something like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna say USA is gonna make a little closer. I'm going sixteen ten Europe, hundred percent. I'm gonna say fifteen eleven. If that's even possible, it's a great question. I'm not really sure. If that's even possible, I don't think they, they would split points anyway. So it, you you would need like fifteen and a half to. I'll uh, say fifteen. I'll say fifteen and a half, eleven and a half. It would be twelve and a half. Fifteen and a half, twelve and a half. Okay, I'll say that. I think it's. I think. I think we keep it close. I think you, I'm going to be with you. I'll take Europe. Um, uh, mainly just because I know that they have the better match play golfers. And I know that we didn't pick our best match play golfers. We just said, here, you're good golf. You play you know, for us. USA has used the same old Tactics. tactic for the past, uh, ever since Ryder has been a thing, really. Uh, Team USA, just their captains don't want to go against what they think is right. They don't, they don't want to be the captain that goes outside the box if it doesn't work. But I mean, fuck nothing. We're, we're fucking too. If it too, if it doesn't work, down need, to Europe in Ryder Cup history. If and, you need, what was that? Go ahead. Oh, I said you, if it doesn't work, you need to fix it. Exactly. It's like a It's like a bicycle. If you don't have brakes on the bicycle, you need to put brakes on the bicycle for it to like actually work properly. I guess, I guess the USA captains like they heard the saying: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They must have got it got it confused with if it is broke, still don't fix it. <laughs> they I mean, did that. I mean, they definitely did. It's in bear like our. I, I get USA literally every single year is the is the favorites going into this tournament. So if you are a sports better, I you, the odds for Europe right now. If you won, if you even put in a small bet for Europe, you're gonna cash out a nice sum of money just because I believe USA. I know they were two to one favorites going into the tournament, and I think that even went up a little bit uh, in the past few days now. Huh. Okay. Well. Maybe I'll take a maybe I'll take a trip. Um, uh, go Del Lago, put in a nice little bet. Maybe, maybe, who knows? But I'm taking Europe. You're taking Europe. 
we think Europe will win. We don't want it to happen, but we think it will happen. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on to our next topic, sir? No, I, I just want, want people to, to – I'm going to – I'll reiterate this for both of us. Me and Jeremy are not cheering for Europe by any means. Me nope. and Jeremy, we're not rigs from Barstool. We're not hopping ship. We are sticking with Team USA through and through. Me and Jeremy bleed the red, white, and blue. Um, but unfortunately, I just – I hope you – We want the U.S. to win, but we think they won't. I don't think they can. Yeah. yeah, we want them to win. We don't think they will, though. Moving on to more predictions, I guess we can say, based on how the NFL season has been going, we both have some hot takes that we'd like to discuss. I, I'll have you start. All right. So, I, I you know, I'm just going to go right off the back, go to my favorite team, uh, the Buffalo Bills, who I mean. Oh, oh they're definitely not making a post the playoffs after this, let me tell you. I'm not going to go there just because our division is so bad this year. I mean, Miami just beat New England, uh, what was it, like 16-15. Uh, New England just beat the Jets, and we just blew up Miami. Um, don't give me – like, our defense has looked solid this year. Um, we really – the Pittsburgh game was really a coin toss. I mean, they scored on a blocked punt. So, I mean, the, how many times does that happen in the NFL season? Or uh, they block punt touchdown return. Um, so that that game to me could have went either way. But my issue is Josh Allen right now is not. He's looking more like 2019 Josh Allen to me more than he is 2020 Josh Allen. I mean, he just doesn't look confident standing back there in the pocket making his throws. Week one, it seemed like he overthrew everything. I mean, he overthrew an Emmanuel Sanders on that deep ball that could have scored a touchdown by a good five yards. Um, and then week two against Miami, he was really baiting everything because it looked like he was scared to overthrow someone. But I mean, Josh really, I just hope it's just like a call, like a, he gets out of this fluke, whatever he's in. I, I don't know what it is because I mean, people clearly have seen, he's not the Josh Allen from 2020. And it really like, we relied heavily on the pass game last year. I mean, our run game did suck last year. Thankfully, our run game actually isn't terrible this year. That would, could be our saving grace. Um, I still do think the Bills do win the AFC East. Um, I don't really – I honestly, in my opinion, I think we can go undefeated um, in our within our division. To be completely honest, I don't see anyone taking us out. I mean – we don't know. We don't know to his injury now when he'll be back. To uh, his week to week, and he's got a rib injury. He's not playing next week. My thing is, is like obviously, you guys should have no problem against Miami and the Jets. You, New England always plays you tough, though. Those two games. I, are always- I'm, but the, the thing is, I am not concerned with the Patriots as much as I used to be, just because who was under center for them. I mean, he has looked. He he is a. I don't. I don't even know how to like. I don't even know what to Unproven. say. He's that. He is kind of hasn't. I don't know. He's like a game manager who's not ready to be a game manager yet. Because he's that's what a, New England wants. Yeah, that's they what want they a game want. Manager. But I just don't think that he is ready to take to win games for this team. Clearly, like yeah, he just beat the Jets. But I mean, Zach Wilson looks terrible for the Jets. Um, the Jets are a terrible franchise. Yeah, so I, I'm not concerned really with our division. Um, to be honest, like we are going to win the AFC East again, no issues there. 
But I think this is going to be one of the most exciting football seasons we've had in a while, just based on what has gone on so far. I mean, who really thought the Texans were going to win a game already? Who would have thought the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos were going to be leading the AFC West right now? Oh, Kansas let me City. go into the Raiders right now. <clears throat> oh, yeah. that's you, you take over the Raiders because I have my thoughts on this. Well, I'm let me, let me take over the Raiders real fast. If no, they're making the playoffs. Dude, hang on. John Gruden is their coach. Raiders, no, they're making fans, the playoffs. Raiders fans, enjoy this while it lasts. Once October comes, you guys are going to go into oh, the no, 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 no. They are making the no, playoffs. There's no shot to the Las Vegas Raiders. They're making the playoffs, you, okay? John Gruden. He's going to lose. They're 2 0. Oh. They beat Baltimore after being down 17 and nothing, and they Baltimore won overtime. And, and, and they went into Pittsburgh, and they beat Pittsburgh. Okay. And Baltimore and a shitty Pittsburgh team who only has a good defense. The Bills lost to that shitty okay. Pittsburgh team. I, I get that. They, like I said, they only have a good defense. And they and I to, I said this already. They beat us because of a fluke play on a, where our punter, he was standing a fucking whole yard ahead to where he should be standing. A win is a win. And then he, a took, win is and a he win. took two extra they steps. Two he got quality the wins. Off. They have two, two quality okay. wins. Yes, but they also, we always have this conversation every single year about the Raiders. We're like, oh, is Derek Carr elite? Are the Raiders back? Are they this? Are they, they that? Derek doesn't need to be in the quarterback. Derek Carr is an actually very capable quarterback. I, I'm not saying he's not, but I'm saying this happens every single year where the Raiders look good. And then, oh, here comes October, and the Raiders are dog shit. And they're, uh, the Raiders they're, actually like start to see – lately under Gruden, they started dog shit, and then they find a way to like somehow get into contention. Now it's the opposite. They actually look pretty decent. Yes, we'll see what happens as we get into October. But I think based on what I've seen in week in two in two weeks, they have found ways to win games. And that's all that really matters in, in terms of Las Vegas Raiders football because that's how their philosophy has been. I'm not I'm not gonna go out and say that, yeah, I'm not gonna pull one out of my ass here and say they're gonna win the division because let's be honest, that's not happening. They, but they, I, they still, yeah, they still have to see Kansas City twice. I mean uh, was do you think I do you think that was a blueprint game for people or do you just think that because I mean clearly we saw in the cheat we saw on Sunday night in the Chiefs Ravens game the Ravens really just they shut down Hill and they're like Hill's not going to beat us Mahomes makes someone else beat us and <coughs> clearly they only lost on an Edwards Hilaire fumble which typically won't happen for them but I mean a injured an injured Ravens team stuck with them when everyone kind of swept the Ravens under the bus after we. Oh, won. here's my second hot take. The Baltimore Ravens will win the AFC North, even with all their injuries. I, I agree with you there. I don't think I don't, the, the Browns are their biggest competition there, but I think Lamar Jackson is just too good of a quarterback to not win them enough games to win that division. Um, Big Ben looks absolutely atrocious this year. Um, Joe Burrow's O-line is still dog shit, so they're not going to win anything. So let me get into this here. I We've talked about this in the past about Lamar Jackson, and there were some pretty compelling arguments up uh, on the Sunday night football up until the Sunday night game and even after the Sunday night game. We've had kind of conversations about him in the past, like about his ceiling and whether or not his passing game can improve or not. And... I'm going to change my thoughts about him just a little bit here. Okay. I don't really think he need like, yeah, I, I think that he still has a, a possibility of being able to improve his passing game. But from what I saw on Sunday night, he just needs to find ways to win games. And that's what he did against Kansas City on Sunday night. He found a way to win the game. And 
that's where it comes into Derek Carr too, another quarterback who's not terrible, found ways to found a way to win two games. But Lamar Jackson, yes, okay, like he had two terrible interceptions. Um, one of them was to th- in an area where there were three Kansas City Chiefs around one Baltimore receiver, and I'm like, why are you even throwing that ball? And another one was kind of a bad interception, um, but at the same time, like you know, eh, Matthew just jumped right in front of the ball too. So was that's that's an iffy one, but still an interception. But at the same time, Lamar Jackson was able to take advantage with what he does best with what he is known for and what he does best being mobile with the football being able to outmaneuver the chiefs defense and just keep baltimore's offense on the field because the thing is though is like they kept kansas city's defense on the field so long they tired the chiefs defense out patrick mahomes was not able to get onto the field in long stretches of time because of that now obviously like you know like a five minute drive is a five minute drive in game time but when you really think about that that's like 15 to 20 minutes of actual time being spent where somebody of that caliber on the other side of the ball on the other team isn't on the field Lamar Jackson was able to use his football IQ in terms of what he knows that he's best do he's best doing at that doesn't make sense what I just said but what he does best yeah. is what I meant to say and use it to his advantage he used his legs he used his he used his vision more so for running than passing obviously but the thing is though is he also used the players around him when needed Mark Andrews had some had some crucial catches uh in terms of you know just getting the ball down the field Marquise Brown Sammy Watkins um, and then obviously we all know the gutsy fourth down play where it's like, okay, Baltimore, what the fuck are you doing? Um, because if you, you know, what? This up, you know I, I have, I have, gets the ball back, you know what props to Jim Harbaugh for that, for making it publicly known, asking Lamar Jackson, what he wants to do? Because let's say Lamar Jackson says he wants to punt. They go down and lose then Oh, Lamar Jackson made that call for them to punt. And then, oh, if Lamar Jackson says to go for it on fourth down, it's like, oh, why didn't he just decide to punt? So props to Jim Harbaugh for saving his own ass right there. That was a that was a big brain play by him. But all, all jokes aside, though, that is a huge call for a coach in that tight a game, especially with that opponent who has been known the past couple of years now just to have the Ravens number and just to give it to your quarterback and have the confidence in him and say, what do you want to do here? Exactly, exactly. And that's why I think Baltimore will – that's another reason why I think that Baltimore will win the AFC North because of coaching like Harbaugh. He's been there a while. They've built the offense around Lamar as much as they need to. And obviously, like, the running game isn't what they need – isn't what they wanted it to be, but it is what they need it to be in terms of who they have right now. And the thing is, too, is, yeah, they lost Marcus Peters, but they still have Marlon Humphrey. They still have quality players on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, three torn ACLs. We get it. But like you said, Cleveland is their toughest competition. But the thing is, though, is that Cleveland doesn't have a quarterback that can get it done when it matters. I mean, Cleveland Browns are a team, especially under Baker Mayfield, who aren't going to blow teams out. They're going to they're gonna rely on Chubb most of the game. 
and you're going to get a Baker Mayfield. Which helps my fantasy team. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nick Chubb is a great running back. He is the reason that team wins games because Baker Mayfield is not, by any stretch of the means, an elite quarterback. You look at his stat lines every week. He's a very consistent quarterback. He'll be 19 for 21 for like 250, like 200 to 250 every week, which is perfectly fine. I think most teams would take that 19 for 21. I mean, Baker Mayfield is one of the most just accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's never going to give you that deep ball play, which is just still odd to me with all the weapons that they do have in that offense, but they rely on Nick Chubb too much. And that's why I don't think they will. That's why I don't think they can top Baltimore in that division. No. My thing is though, with the Ravens, it's like, I, I get it's probably easier said than done. But I, I don't want to sound biased. I'm going to go back and talk about the Bills. But look at the last two – look at the two times that the Bills have met Lamar Jackson. Um, last year in the playoffs, we held him the four or 34 yards rushing. Um, two years ago when he came to Buffalo and they beat us 24-17, we held him to 40 yards rushing. Um, so clearly it can be done, and that is – if teams can genuinely figure out how to do that, which I get, like I said, it's easier said than done. But if teams can genuinely just – make Lamar Jackson be a quarterback he's not that he, he's not that effective and he's not as good as like I'm not saying he's not good because I he is good but I'm saying if people learn how to figure that out and keep him back in the pocket whether that be not sending a blitz and just sending just sending four linemen up there just trying to get pressure that way and kind of keeping a spy in the linebacker exhibition or whatever but um no I just think like he can be stopped he's great, but he can be stopped. And that's where Baltimore this is the only way they're ever going to run into issues because Harbaugh coaches that team so well, like you said, even injury prone, they still have a solid defense. Um, he does have weapons on the offense. And if he could ever one day just figure out a way to throw, like be a better passer of the ball, he will probably be one of, one of the best quarterbacks ever. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, the AFC North is a – it's a division for the taking, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I mean – only team that you can't make an argument for really is the Bengals. Just what do you mean? The Bengals have a shot. Just because they still have uh, shit to figure out. Oh, yeah, uh, no, the Bengals mainly, have a lot Mainly on their offensive line and defensively. Um, I mean, they have the offensive weapons. I mean, you got Joe Burrow as your quarterback. Jamar Chase is your wide receiver. receiver. Mixon is your running back. You have the weapons there. But you need the offensive line. But you need that line for Burrow because I think Burrow, if he got the weapons that hurt, like if he had the line and, well, not this past week really for Herbert, but, I mean, if he had what Herbert has, I think Joe Burrow is that type of quarterback where he he really is a game-changing quarterback. He just isn't with those weapons yet. Cincinnati can get them down the road and build around Burrow kind of like what Baltimore did with Lamar or what the Bills did with Josh Allen. If they can build a team around him, they're going to be great and could one day contend for that division. But just right now, it's not their time. And it really is, to me, a two-horse race. I think the Steelers are going to kind of have a little fall from grace, especially, I, I already said this once, Big Ben just looks atrocious this year. And now he's hurt, so who knows what's going to happen this week, even though Big Ben does play better when he is considered hurt, quote-unquote. Um, he just might like seeing his name being talked about. But Yeah, exactly. But, 
I mean, we'll see what happens as we get closer and closer uh, towards the end of the season in the AFC North there. That, I'm, I'm glad you agree with my hot take about the Ravens, though. Everybody pushed them under the rug, which is pretty like ridiculous if you ask me because they it's not like, yeah, you they lost. Everyone, saw, everyone saw the injuries, and then everyone saw their week one loss to the Raiders. Um, so people were just kind of like, okay, you you guys aren't the Ravens we know. And then they go put a statement win up against a great Chiefs team. They really played a perfect game against them. And this was one of those games. I know this sounds cliche, but it was one of those games that whoever has the ball, like whoever has the ball in the last minute, like for the last possession, whatever, is going to win this game. And you could kind of feel that throughout the whole game for the most part. I've thought, honestly, I thought the game was going to get ugly at some point when Lamar Jackson threw that one interception. And well, right at the beginning, Kansas, right, yeah, right at the beginning, I thought Kansas City was just going to run away with it when they scored right away. When they scored right away, but the thing is, though, is like when they were up fourteen to seven, Baltimore was coming driving down the field, and Lamar threw that pick, and I'm like, here we go, Kansas City's just going to get the ball back, make it twenty-one to seven. I might as well turn the game off if they score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. No, Baltimore got a stop. They made Kansas City punt, if I remember correctly, yeah. and Baltimore. Baltimore was right in it, and the thing is, though, is they found a way to win in the second. They found ways to win in the second half of the game. It was pretty much like, you know, like you said, an instant classic, early contender for game of the season. But I do want to move on to any other hot takes. Do you have any more hot takes or takeaways after two weeks in the season, sir? Oh, well, the NFC beast still sucks. I that's, mean, who, that's a given. Who, who saw? I mean, did anyone really think anything different, though? I mean, I, I think – I think Best I, yeah, I'm just going to sk- kind of skip right over this division. I do think the Washington football team does win this division. Let me get into the NFC beast while we're at it then. All right, yeah. Because I've got my – only, My only take there is Washington football team is going to win that division again. Um, Jalen Hurts does look good, though, and the Cowboys offense – is always good, but their defense just always has it. Oh, this is where we're going to disagree, my friend. I have two takes. All right. The Dallas Cowboys defense will be the will be the key factor in Dallas winning the division if they win if they ha- if they win the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys defense actually does not look terrible after two weeks. They looked at fairly competent against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game that they almost won, if not for Greg Zerline not knowing how to kick a football. Mm-hmm. Um, and in their win against the Los Angeles Chargers, they had two picks. And if I remember correctly, they also had a couple of sacks. And what, And if I remember correctly, both of those picks that they made – no – one of those picks was in the end zone, if I remember correctly, when the Chargers were driving and were in the red zone. And another one was right pl- – I mean, yeah, right place, right time, if I remember correctly. But the thing is, though, is the Chargers were driving on both of those. And that turned – those drives that resulted in picks, I think Dallas ended up scoring points after the first pick. But after that second pick, I saw momentum change in favor of the Cowboys, even though it turned out to be more of a stalemate game. But the thing is, though, is under Dan Quinn, compared to the Cowboys' defenses of the years past, this defense actually looks like it may do just enough to get them into the playoffs, 
And if they make the playoffs, as much as I hate to say this, at least win one playoff game. Um, I, I could see the argument about them making the playoffs. I do get that. Um, it really all depends because I, I think Washington still still has a stellar defense. It all depends if Heineke can hold up throughout the season until Fitzpatrick comes back. Um, that, that's where my other take that, comes That's into. the only thing. I mean, I really do think Heineke could be a starter for that. Heineke team. probably could be a starter, but he also played a terrible, as much as it pains me to say this, terrible Giants defense. And the only reason why the Giants lost that game, not because of the offsides or anything, but because they had stup- a stupid holding penalty on one touchdown that was taken back. And Darius Slayton forgot how to catch a ball. Yeah, but- I saw that. I was shocked. So, I was watching. I was like, no way they have. But so yeah, this I, is I what you're saying, though, because, I mean, next week he does play the Bills defense, so it will be a different look at to see what kind of quarterback he can be. So we'll see as to what happens there. But my other take about the NFC beast, the best division in football, <laughs> if Daniel Jones plays like he played in week two, the Giants actually have a shot at winning the division. Based on how terrible it is. <laughs> now that I know that's what, you, what what kind of drugs are you on tonight? What, what that, that's one of the worst takes ever. No, it's Daniel Jones didn't play terrible. That might have been worse than the take you saying the Bills aren't going to make the playoffs this year. That, that might, was a joke take. But no, this is a serious. Like this is a serious. No, the problem with the the problem with the New York Giants offense is not Daniel Jones. The problem with the New York Giants offense is Jason Garrett because he is still stuck in the 20th century in terms of offensive football in the National Football League. Daniel Jones. His only problem is that he turns the ball over too much. But the thing is, though, is against Washington two times last week, we saw him We saw him have a cannon of an arm. He can actually throw a cannon of an arm accurately, which is why he has the nickname Danny Dimes. Now, if Darius Slayton was able to catch both of those balls, the Giants would have won that game. That okay, true. The defense is a problem for the Giants, which is angers me because they pride themselves on defense. They also have costly penalties, which is why they are owned too as well. Um, But the problem is, is compared to week one to week two, Daniel Jones did play like shit week one. He, he looked very timid and afraid. And I'm like, here we go again. A typical day here. Here we go. Typical giants. Daniel Jones looks like shit. This is a make or break year for him. If he sucks the rest of the season, he's gone. Week yeah. two, I had hope in him. He, he did look good, especially against that Washington defense is really good. <clears throat> and he and Daniel Jones did have a really good game against them. Yeah. So if he can continue that, they play the, the Giants play the Falcons next week. Now, if the Giants lose to the Falcons, I'm done with them as the seed. Like, I, I will focus to whatever uh, soccer, hockey, whatever you name it. I, I, because there's no way we should really lose to the Falcons, but right. it is, but <clears throat> both teams are terrible. So I guess it's a coin toss. But the thing is, though, is if Daniel Jones actually plays like that and the offense actually comes alive, and he looked good running the ball too. He's really our best running week. back. Yeah. Saquon's still too afraid to run the ball, which is which pains me. Um, uh, there. I but, think his quads got smaller. That's the issue. Uh, well, when you're sitting on your ass after tearing an ACL, you don't <laughs> really do much after that. Uh, yeah. You gain more weight uh, sitting on the couch, and not good weight sitting on the couch. It's bad weight. 
Um, uh, but that's my hot take. About That's my second hot take. As terrible as you think it is, if Daniel Jones actually plays like he does, carries the offense, because when you take a look at the weapons that they have, on paper, on keywords, on paper, Saquon Barkley, who really needs to stop being afraid when it comes to running the ball, they have Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, okay, and they have, and they also have one Evan Ingram comes back, but they also have Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith, who are also capable tight ends. And when you really look at that, those weapons, it just comes down to whether whether or not Daniel Jones could actually get the ball to them. Because even the offensive line, even though Nick Gates went down. Uh, Shane Lemieux is injured or whatever like the offensive line actually didn't look terrible either against Washington and we all know how Washington's front seven is mm-hmm. so right. they kept they kept them in check so let's see what happens week three and if this bites me back in the ass all right, I, I'll make a deal with you right now if the New York Giants make the playoffs if they win the NFC beast I will shave my eyebrows okay I will shave both my eyebrows off if the New York Giants make the playoffs. Okay. All right. Want to hear my next hot take? Okay. I Trevor do Lawrence is a bust. That's actually a very popular hot take right now, actually. I, 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 I'm convinced he's a bust. Was my, five I, interceptions through two games? I mean – yeah, I, I think I, he's going to pass Peyton Manning's uh, record for interceptions. I was just about to rookie. say Peyton Manning has the rookie all time, the rookie record for most interceptions in a season. If I'm still correct, if that's correct, still. Don't get me wrong. Um, he just played. He played a really good. Vic Fangio has that Broncos defense always good. They are always a great defensive team, but still, he threw two interceptions this past week against Denver and three interceptions in the opener against um, Houston. Like I said, everyone wrote Houston off as a zero-win team this year. But, but the I mean, thing is, though, is the Jaguars could also Jacksonville could also be a zero-win team this year. So I and think, Urban Meyer could quit halfway through to go to USC. He, I was just about to say he's going to USC. He's done. He is done with Jack. I mean, did you hear what he just said? He he just had an interview and said playing in the NFL feels like playing Alabama every week. If you're a Jacksonville fan, that is not what you want to hear. No, it's not. That is no. not what you want to hear from your coach. That's Jacksonville like- honestly shot themselves in the head when they hired Urban Meyer. That was a publicity yeah. stunt and a half. Um, and the thing is, though, is the moves that they made. First off, they should never have drafted Travis Etienne because they tried to put him at wide receiver at a wide receiver role, more of a wide receiver role than a running back role. And he's out for the season now. He's missing his entire rookie year, so he'll be a, technically a rookie next season. Um, let's see here. They really didn't fill any holes that they needed in terms of, like, well, they needed a lot of help, to be honest. But the major holes that needed filling, they really didn't address. And I feel like Urban Meyer is out of his depth. I agree with you. I completely agree with you 100%. I mean, like you said, it wasn't publicity stunt to get him. Um, Urban Meyer, everyone knows he is just a college coach. He was not ready to step into the NFL role. Um, we all knew that, and that's why there is talks about him going back to USC, especially since USC just fired their coach last week. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if he vacates his position in Jacksonville. I mean, he, oh, seems, no. like this, he seems like the type of guy that would do that. I would never been an Urban Meyer fan. 
and I just it I was goes only to an sh- Urban Meyer fan when he uh for two years for three years, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and twenty fourteen. The only reason why 2009 was because of the SEC championship, um, uh, but then 2008 because they beat Alabama and they won a national championship. I didn't care that they won. I'm just I just wanted them to beat Alabama. And then 2014, 15, whatever you want to call it, when Ohio State beat Alabama in the playoff semifinal. That's that's the only reason why I'm an I was an Urban Meyer fan. I I, I see that. I so I wasn't huge on him when he was at Ohio State. Um, I mean, I'm, I just really hate Ohio State in general. I hate that I hate that football team. I hate all the teams Ohio State has. So I'm just being prejudiced or not prejudiced. Um, what's what I'm looking for? I don't know. Whatever. Um, uh, I'm not prejudiced. Um, uh, um, Pre- no, uh, no. Bias. 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 bias, bias yeah, bias. That's what I'm looking for. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, prejudice I, is a different term. I, um, uh, yeah, I know. That's why, that's why I caught myself right away. But no, I I do think Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's definitely not going to go down as the best re- quarterback from this draft. Um, I mean, it's still too early to say who's going to be. Considering Justin Fields and Trey Lance haven't really gotten to see the field that much. Justin Fields is week is going to be the starter next week for the Bears until Andy Dalton comes back. And that that if you're if I'm Matt Nagy, as soon as Dalton got injured, I'm saying okay, Justin Fields is a starter. I don't care. My thing is with the rookie quarterbacks, I don't care if they win games or not. Let them go out there and see the NFL game. Make the mistakes now so they won't make it later in their career. So they go out there now and see what, see how fast the NFL game is, see their reads, um, see what the defense is throwing at them and let them learn from that. That's what I hate about Matt. These, these, new, these new quarterbacks coming in, how all these coaches are trying to do what Kansas City did with Pat Mahomes sit him for a year and then like Pat Mahomes is just was everyone knew he was going to be a special talent but uh he yeah. just he's he's like a once in a lifetime thing that's going to happen yeah exactly just, if you draft the quarterback in the first round you should be playing him right away and you should be letting him make the miss because if you're drafting a quarterback first over or in the first round anyways you're clearly not a good football team no you're so not let him go out you, you don't expect to win games so let him go out there and make the mistakes you're going to make now so these don't come up year two and year three where they're like, oh, now I see this, and you're already behind the eight ball because you're three years into his career now. Well, the Chicago Bears aren't the smartest aren't the smartest organization in the National Football League either. Matt Nagy is an idiot of a head coach as well. Um, he's clearly an Andy Dalton fan, which I mean, Andy Dalton is not he's not a terrible quarterback. Everybody was ba- everybody like he he did great he, great backup quarterback, great backup quarterback. Great backup quarterback. He wasn't terrible in Cincinnati, and he did what he could do in in Dallas. And he did what he could do in Dallas. Uh, like he's not a terrible quarterback. Not a starting, not a starter anymore. But the thing is, though, is like he should not be starting for Chicago. This is Justin Fields' team. Matt Nagy needs to realize that. Wake up, smell the fucking coffee. You know, get your head out of your ass. Blah blah blah. Um, and honestly, Bears fans have every right to be mad at him because the thing is, though, is like. If it wasn't for the Detroit Lions, they'd be the laughing stock of the division. That is very true. Even though Goff didn't look bad in the first half against Green Bay, and Goff and then it rained. Look, yeah, I swear to God, from the looks of it on the TV, it looked like it was only raining when Detroit's offense was out there. I swear to God, that's what I was saying on my TV. <laughs> like that is yeah. genuinely what it looked like to me. Well, but, I've seen, but is, no, I, I mean, he did to me. He didn't look. Jared Goff didn't look bad week one. Um, 
to be completely honest, in my opinion, against the 49ers, um, that, I mean, the 49ers put up 41 in week one, um, and the Lions put up 33. Who thought that game would have been this type of shootout game that it was? Um, but no, I am not completely sold that the the Lions are the lap sack of that division. I still do think that Chicago is going to finish with a worse record than the Lions are. Um, Minnesota might actually be the laughing stock of that division, saying as how Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback of that team. I get you paid him, but I mean, come on. What did you expect with Kirk Cousins? He's the same every single year, year in and year out. He'll go throw 250 to 300 for you a game, but he's not winning you games. No, he's not. He He's not going to find ways to win games like other quarterbacks are. So are we um, both in agreement then that this is Green Bay's division still? This is Green Bay's division still. Even, even though, though that Eric, shit show they put on week one? He, that was just bad luck there. Um, and they. I would have called 35 to 3 bad luck. I think it was only bad. The, 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 I'm going to tell you right now, the Saints are not making the playoffs. No shot. I mean, there's two better teams in that division. No, the Saints I, aren't even no, the Saints are not making the playoffs because not just because the Bucs are better and and because of the resurgence of Sam Darnold in Carolina. The Saints are not a very good football team. No. They got enough. that's why I said it was bad luck. Because they the Packers were not prepared. The Packers like really weren't prepared for week one when you really think about it. they I had mean, all New the Orleans, drama. New Orleans defense won that game for them week one, to be completely honest. Yes. And now Marshawn Lattimore is out for a number of weeks uh, after signing an extension. But the thing is, though, is their defense, like, they they, they lost. They shit the bed in week two yeah. after week one. Yeah, they did. And Justin Winston is the same old Justin. Jameis went Justin. God, idiot. Um, Jameis Winston, Winston, Winston is the same J- Jameis Winston before and after his LASIK surgery. Clearly, it didn't help. I mean, yeah, I, but he threw five touchdowns against the Packers. Did uh, you see what he threw for? He only threw for like 180 or something. Yeah, that's it. I saw that. But the thing is, though, is he found a way to win game a, a game against the Packers, but then completely shits the bed. My thing is, is that New Orleans is going to be so inconsistent over the season. It's going to be like a roller coaster. They're not going to be like a wild card team. The only thing is, though, is I don't think they'll be a wild card team regardless because look how stacked the NFC West is. You're gonna have one team. You're gonna have three teams. You're gonna have yeah. You're gonna have three teams from the NFC West getting into the playoffs this year. Yeah, let's just skip that division because we don't have. I, I don't I have. I, any, have a hot, I have a hot take from that division. The Cardinals are gonna win the division. Cardinals are going to the Super Bowl. I I am. You all aboard the Cardinals? I have two hot. I have two hot takes for the Cardinals. Actually, the Cardinals are Kyler Murray MVP. Uh. I wasn't going to go that far, but Kyler Murray is a better better Lamar Jackson than Lamar is at being Lamar Jackson, if that makes sense. Kyler Murray is a better, going to be a better quarter, a better quarterback yeah, than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah he's, I think he is right now. I think Lamar, ja- or Lamar Jackson, he's good, but I think Kyler Murray is he's a better passer than Lamar is. Um, I even would go as far as say he's faster than Lamar Jackson. I mean, oh, just, he is. Just watching him is just like a video game, and I really do think this uh, this Arizona team could beat the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game because that's I don't see the Bucs being beat at all this season um, in the regular season. But I think come playoff time, I think Arizona could beat them in the NFC Championship game. See, that's the thing that everybody like was shitting on me about. And I hate to bring this up again, but the fans of 
the team you support were shitting on the Cardinals because because of one play, and they're like, oh, well, the Cardinals suck as a team. Well, nobody realized like who the Cardinals actually brought back, who they brought in as an adi- as additions. And it's like, no, the Cardinals actually can be a dark horse this team uh, this season if everybody stays healthy. Because when you look at their offense and their defense, okay, yeah, the addition of J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones seems to have a resurgence, and Chandler Jones seems to be a man on a mission this season. Then you look at the offense where, yes, you have Kyler Murray, who possibly could be an early uh, season MVP contender. Obviously, you have DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Chase Edmonds, the addition of A.J. Green has proved helpful. Rondale Moore actually played a very good game last week. Christian Kirk is another wide receiver that comes in from what comes through when need to be as well. So when you well, look this, at – I mean, this Arizona team is completely different from last year because last year I would say, yes, they're an average team. But it just looks like this season – I know it's only two games into the season. Whatever. It's still too early to say, but they look like a – right now an elite team. I mean, they're buzzing on both sides of the ball. I mean, they put up, like, they almost have 100 points now through two games almost. It's almost as if Arizona's Arizona's defense will do the job and, and and the coaching staff under Cliff Kingsbury has enough faith in the Cardinals' offense to put enough points on the board to win. Yeah, and they can. They can, because if... Kyler Murray is going to win this team a lot of games just based on his legs. And like I said, I said this earlier in the show, if Lamar Jackson figured out how to pass the ball, he would be a Kyler Murray. Because I think Kyler Murray is going – I get this is only a year or two for him, but I think he is going to be an elite quarterback. Kyler Murray will be an elite quarterback. This is my hot take. And it's probably probably a lukewarm take based, based on week two. And we didn't record, sadly, before the season started. But if Kyler Murray continues his performances like this on a consistent basis up until week 18 and takes the Arizona Cardinals to the playoffs, they just need to make the playoffs. They don't need to win the division because you still have the Rams. They still play the Rams twice. They still play. They have to play that division. Six games against that division. Toughest division in football, if you ask me. Anybody who... 100% agree. Anybody who knows anything about football know, knows that. The only people that don't know that don't know any don't know a lick about the fucking National Football League. But if Kyler Murray can have consistent performances, take the Cardinals to the playoffs and do pretty damn well in that division in those six games, Kyler Murray MVP. Mark that down. I actually right right now I don't really. There's no really any argument for who else could win the MVP right now. Because I mean, the thing is, though, is like, yeah, you're going mean, to get tip- it's so early in the season. And yes, it's only been two games. I get that. But I mean, there's, he has been, I would there's say, only the one other person that there's only one other person that's compared Tom that, Brady. Had, exactly. Tom Brady. Tom, My, Tom Brady, he, I swear to God, is just getting younger. He has looked unreal this year. Tom Brady and Kyle Murray are head front runners right now for the MVP race. Yeah, it's and the thing is, close between anyone else. No, it's not. And the thing is, though, is I would not be surprised. Like, I think I say if Kyler Murray will win MVP, but it would not surprise me if Tom Brady does win it himself. It would not surprise me because the thing is, though, is Aaron Rodgers had that atrocious week one performance. And obviously we know the league goes on a week by week basis. But if Aaron Rodgers has one more bad performance like that, he's out of the running. 
Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he's Patrick Mahomes. But the thing is, though, who knows how, who, like, he's Patrick Mahomes. But the thing is, though, is, like, we're going to need Patrick Mahomes to keep showing up. And obviously, he always has that one game where he's not as great either. And then, of course, your quarterback, Josh Allen, he needs to figure it out and not be 2019 Allen because he's already had two games where he he just looks nervous. He looks nervous to me. Exactly. So that's why I'm saying that about the MVP race. No, I agree um, with you. Like, there's only really two horses in that race right now. Clearly, all right, I'll throw Pat Mahomes in there just because he's Pat Mahomes. Yeah, but I do have now. I do have one more hot take. Uh, do you have any more hot takes before I go, or anything before I go into my final hot take? Uh, you go into yours now, then I'll go into mine. I want you to go into yours first. Mine may surprise you. That's why. Mm, all right, Houston's going to win the division. That's actually more surprising than mine. Damn. I, I really don't. Indianapolis. Carson Wentz. They're, 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 supposed Carson to be a good team. they're supposed to be a good team, but like, and Carson Wentz is hurt again. He has two sprained ankles now. Um, clearly, Tennessee is still a tough team to play, and Houston has to still play them twice this year. I get that. But, I mean, they. I think Tennessee is relying too much on Derrick Henry and now for – I mean, he was really shut down in the first half last week, and then second half he did. Derrick Henry did turn it on. Don't get me wrong, but I think Houston's going to win their division. And I, wow. I, that's, yeah, I that's just don't. See, I think Jacksonville. Is. I don't think Jacksonville wins the game this season. No, that's a good. I think Indianapolis is an under five hundred team, and that's, I think Tennessee is going to be right around average this year. I think they might be right around an eight hundred team. Five hundred. 500, thank you. I was thinking eight wins. I was thinking eight wins, so I said 800. Oh, so you think like eight, nine, nine, and eight. Or I'm going to say I'm gonna say nine and nine this year because it's eight. Nine and eight? Se- yeah, nine and eight because it's 17 games a season. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, I want to go back to the NFC Beast, best division in football, as we all know, for my final hot take. And it's going to be back at that football team in Texas. Pollard, running back one for the Cowboys. Not Zeke. I agree with you. I don't, I don't think that's a hot take. I think most people are thinking that right now. Most people are thinking that right now. But the thing is, though, is like a lot of people still think Zeke is good. No, Zeke is washed. Zeke is done. In the, Zeke is done in Dallas. Zeke could be done in the league, if you ask me. That's where my hot take goes. Because my thing is, is I think Zeke peaked at Ohio State, and he had his first – and he had two good years there, and now he just completely shit the bed. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's really yeah, – that is a hot take, but I think a lot of people are thinking the same thing you are because I thought the same thing as well. Because it's, Pollard's going to be their number one there. I mean, he just rushed for more yards than Zeke on less touches this past week. And I believe same thing happened week one as well where Pollard had less touches and more yards. Zeke didn't even – Zeke was an afterthought in the game against Tampa. Zeke, honestly, like Dallas could at worst go to a tandem, but the thing is at, wor- at best go to a tandem – where Pollard gets Pollard gets more game time, but the thing is though is I think Zeke is washed. Like Z, um, in my fantasy football league, a guy, my one of the guys in my league had the number one overall pick, and he drafted Zeke Elliott there. Why and would you my, not take CMC? Keeper. Oh yeah, okay, we have keepers. So he took so he took Ezekiel Elliott as the best running back available as he who we thought was the best player available at number one, and. In my mind, I'm like, that is a terrible pick. He is not going to have a great season. He is going to shit the bed and look where we are in week two. Not having a great season, kind of shitting the bed. 
guy's washed. Well, okay, I mean, both, he looks both, like a f- both running backs, him and Saquon, both aren't really comparing to what they should be. I really think there's only two main running backs in the league that are their two teams number one, and that is CM three. Sorry, CMC, Nick Chubb, and Derrick Henry. I think are the only three running backs in the league that deserve the number one touches. Other than that, every other team should be going to a two-back system if they have it. Exactly, and I'm going to agree with you there. I will agree with you there wholeheartedly. I, I like I said, I think Zeke is washed. I didn't, I you know, uh, it was. I thought it was a hot take, more of a lukewarm take based on this now. But the thing is, though, is like I think Zeke will be done in Dallas if Zeke's performances continue down as they are. He's done in Dallas. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, didn't he just get a big contract from them though? Yeah, but if he continues to shit the bed, and God I, don't think anyone's, I don't think anyone's going to take him for no, what he's producing for what, they're, what he's getting paid. They're going to have to f- go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I don't think anyone's going to want to trade for him based on just what he's being paid and what he actually just produces. No, I'm. That's what I was going to agree with you on. Nobody wants that huge ass contract there. Like Dallas would have to eat up a lot of salary, like yeah. Philly had to with Wentz, just Wentz, to get yeah, rid of him. It, would, it would really would look like. Uh, what Indianapolis and Philly just did for Wentz. Yeah, but the only thing is, though, Philly has the dead cap hit. Jerry Jones will just write a check from his own pocket for it. Pretty, pretty much be like, here, yep, that's fine. Take them. I don't care. I've got the money. But um, uh, that was my last. That that was it there. I that was it there. Houston winning the division. That is a hot take. Holy yes, wow! Yes, it is. Yes, that's, it is. That, I like my hot. T- I, I mean, I, I get Tyrod Taylor is not gonna be starting for them now because he did get injured again. Guy can't catch a break, poor guy. Yeah, but I mean, we'll, we'll see what pills can do. But, yeah, uh, yeah. He didn't I, I really don't think the AFC South is as tough a division as it used to be to play against. No, it isn't. It's not. It really is not. I think that might be that might be the third worst division in the league. To be oh. honest. Yeah. After the uh, after the NFC beast, and then the NFC North just. Because it's just Green Bay's division. I was gonna say the NFC South actually can be pretty terrible, if you ask me. I mean, I think Carolina is good, especially under. I mean, I said this. I think I said this on the podcast, right? I said Sam Darnold just needs a new team, and he's gonna be a good quarterback. Sam Darnold is a very good. Is gonna be a very good quarterback. He, he just, just needs to get to be away out from of that Jets. Jets system. Yeah. Um, because I mean, the Jets just have shitty management. So I mean, I told people this. I'm like, Sam Darnold is gonna be a good quarterback. He just needs a different team, and now he has weapons in Carolina. And they're two and zero for a reason. I mean, they haven't really played anyone phenomenal so far. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They, they, I mean, they just beat New Orleans, sure, uh, and then they beat the Jets in Week One. I get it, but I mean, they still, they have wins. Yeah, they have and wins. They play Houston Week Three now, so I mean, I just said Houston's going to win the division. But the but thing I mean, is, the, well, who knows? What Carolina happened. could be three and zero, really. Who knows? Hey, it's a 17-week season. Well, it is a long season, so these are these are very very early takes for me and you. Yeah, very, well, yeah, early season takes here. But um, those are the best. Early season takes are the best. Early season takes are the best, and then we'll eat, and then we'll eat shit Monday morning after week three. <laughs> make a poll of that on Twitter, actually. See if people think Houston could win that division. I am actually going to make a poll of that. I'm also going to make a poll as to who they think will be 
M- who is an, is Kyler Murray an MVP early season MVP contender? I really want to see that there because I really think if that's people a good say hot no. Team. If people say no to that one, they don't watch football. If people say no to that one, they're fucking idiots. As much as they pain, as much as it pains me to say that about Kyler Murray because I don't have him as my fantasy quarterback. I have Russell Wilson, who I've uh, thought who I've I, uh, thought. What was that? Well, I have Russell Wilson as my fantasy quarterback, and our uh, uh, an FOP front of the pod in my in my fantasy league has Kyler Murray. Um, uh, he jo- he was joking with me saying he's got a better quarterback option. Yeah, okay, yeah, you probably do have a better quarterback option, but Russell Wilson will do enough to give me my twenty five points, so that's fine by me. I'll, I'll take that. That is my quarterback right now, and I am I I'm not gonna lie. So I picked first in our league, so I picked CMC. So I went CMC at one. And then I'm pretty sure I went McLaurin at two. And, yeah, then, and then I went Josh Allen at three just because I'm like, I can't go any lower else. I'm not going to get a good quarterback because the quarterbacks this year have been going fast, so much faster than years past. So, so because I of the Josh Allen in the third round, and I have kind of regretted it. So in my fantasy league, like I had the third pick. I took Chubb as my first pick. Um, then I ended up taking wide receivers. I think I took Evans first. Um, uh, I went whole slew of wide receivers before I went to a quarterback. My keeper pick was TJ Hawkinson, uh, for Detroit. He's going to be Detroit's best. He's Detroit's best pass catcher. Yeah. Um, so I didn't take a quarterback until Russell Wilson. I think I took him in the seventh. It was before or after Hawkinson. I can't remember if it was the seventh round or the ninth round, but Allen was used as a keeper. Aaron Rodgers was used as a keeper. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes were taken in the fourth and fifth rounds, I believe. So there goes that. And I, my, my thought process was, like, I've got Nick Chubb. I've got decent receivers. Like, all I need is a guy that can give me, like, 25 points, consi- 20, 25 points consistently. Russell Wilson, I feel, can do that. But the thing is, though, is, like, I'm starting to remember that he can digress a little bit later on in the season. Especially, especially since they might be the worst team in that division this year. They probably could. They probably are, but they are also two and zero. Every team. Seattle's one and no, one. Sorry, one and one. They, Seattle's one and one. I forgot about that. Seattle probably is the worst team, not because of Russell Wilson, though. Their defense ne- still needs to figure their it defense, out. Yeah, their defense isn't the defense that we remember from five years ago for sure. No, not at all. But enough about football. Let's 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 fuck with our mental health and uh, ruin that. Why oh, not? Boy. Right. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Not that much, though. I don't want it. it no, we can't. Wait. Nothing happened yet. Doesn't sell for tomorrow, but Jack Eichel's coming back to Buffalo for his physical, folks. Jack Eichel's going to fail his physical, folks. Yep, and he is probably not going to return to the Sabres after that, and he'll still get paid for them because if he fails his physical, he got hurt during hockey. Buffalo's still going to need to pay him, and now Buffalo's going to strip his C, which I think we all – I mean, I saw it coming. Um, this is my hot take. I, I I just don't know who our captain's going to be. I don't know who you fill the C on in this same I don't team. know who the captain's going to be either, but this is my hot take here. I don't know if Buffalo will stri- – I, I, it would be a shame. If Buffalo strips him of the captaincy, he's gone. But I said long, long before this, I said the longer this all went on and we get closer to camp, Jack Eichel will be a, still be a Buffalo Saber. I think Jack Eichel will play for the Buffalo Sabres this season, no matter how little it is. Oh, I agree. I mean, he's going to have to at this point. No one's yeah. going to take him. Unfortunately, now though, for us looking just looking to the future a little bit, uh, being Team uh, USA hockey fans as well, 
Michael's not going to be able to play for the Olympics for us. And this is probably one of the best American teams that are going to the Olympics. I'm very in sad. A long, long time. This I'm is, very I think sad. This be our best USA team ever. We're sending to the Olympics, and now Jack Eichel can't go because the Sabers and Eichel's team can't agree on the surgery they want to get. I'm very, I, very I, sad there. I really was hoping to see him and Austin Matthews on the ice for Team USA. I understand it's not as hot, much hockey porn as Connor McDavid and Sid, Sid and Crosby, well, but it's pretty damn close. Be but pretty... Gonna have with Team Canada, they're gonna Team Canada is gonna run through that tournament. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But ha, ha, for straight hockey porn purposes, like Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews on Team USA. Pretty not 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 as great as McDavid and Crosby and Canada, but pretty well, I mean, close. No, you'd pretty be stupid close. to say it is better, but I mean, no, this is going to be one of the best USA teams we're sending to the Olympics. I mean, we're going to have Dylan Larkin, we're going to have great goal things. It's going to be fun to watch the Olympics. But back to Eichel and the Saber situation. Exactly. I think you're yes. right. If if we do strip the seat from him, he will be gone. Um, but I still think it's going to happen just because all the drama that went on in the offseason. But I, I do I do see both parts of the argument here. Like I. I've been, we've both been athletes. We want to do what we feel is best for our body. But on the other hand, the Sabres do own Jack Eichel. They pay him a contract. Um, this is actually, since because Eichel can't get his contract, this is actually the NHL Players Association's fault because they agreed to have um, the team can step in and say, no, they don't want him getting that surgery. And this is because of the NHL PA. This don't, people don't think this is just the Buffalo Sabres organization fault. Um, that they're not letting Eichel get the surgery. This is the NHL. This is the players that decided on this and said it's okay. Yeah, no, I step in. Oh, sorry. No, what I was gonna say is that I agree. It's that you're exactly right there. I mean, it's completely ridiculous that this was allowed to happen within the first place at the hands of the Players Association, which you know the the Players Association, honestly, in my opinion, never really has the backing of the players as much as they say they do. And that's in any sport, if you ask me. Like the Players Association will be like, "Oh, we care about you," but the thing is, though, is like they always find a way to kowtow and back away at the last minute. At, regarding any issue whether it's player safety players wanting this players wanting that you know anything regarding anything in terms of favors for the players they somehow find a way not to get for them which is why i think players associations in all sports if you ask me at least in north america are a joke i mean basketball is a little better because they I, I think basketball basketball is a, is a players run the league though yeah that okay you are actually true there but um, so, no, I, it's just un- unfortunate that this has unfolded as long as it did. Um, really, the only good news that have come out of the Sabres camp so far is Aaron Dell isn't wearing number thirty. Thank God he's switching to number eighty. I mean, number thirty deserves to be retired for the Sabres. Should be retired. It, it needs to be, especially since Miller's now retired. Um, I, that's the only really good news that's come out of the Sabres camp so far. I mean, we do have a lot of young prospects who are looking very promising for the future, but we're talking two, three, four, maybe even five years down the road till we see that all perspire. So it's going to be just a long, miserable few seasons for us, like it has been for the past 11 years now. Hot take. The Don't Buffalo count. Sabres will somehow find a way to work it out on the ice with the young talent that they have mixed in with the veterans and find a way to sneak into the playoffs. I, I wouldn't say that. 
I say I'm gonna bet the Sabres uh I'm gonna bet the Sabres win a total over. Um, but I don't think they make the playoffs, especially since we're going back to our normal like the division alignments now. I don't think we crack an uh, eight seed. I don't think we can see I don't think we see a wild card or the what is it? Is it the wild card in the NHL? Yeah, they call it the wild card now. Yeah, the wild card now. I, I don't mean, think I don't think that, I don't think we can crack that, especially with now the East is completely back. I mean I don't think I mean that's my hot take. Mark that down. The Buffalo Sabres will make the playoffs. If the Buffalo Sabres somehow make the playoffs, I will be baffled. I will be shocked. I will cry. I'm pretty sure the city will burn down. I mean, I can name well, at least in the Atlantic, we clearly know who the who is gonna take at least the top three seeds. Actually, top four seeds from the Atlantic. Is going to be the Lightning, the Bruins, the Maple Leafs, and the Panthers. So, I mean, we're already behind the eight ball there since I know two teams that probably will have more wins than the Sabres. Yeah. The Lightning. It, it is a, yeah. It is a hot take for you to say, like, I, I don't completely, especially now we have new coaching on Granado. The Sabres did look a lot better at the, like, especially our young players at the end of the season under Granado. It was actually fun hockey to watch. So, I get where you're coming from, but I just unfortunately, don't think we're there yet as much as I do love the Buffalo Sabres I just don't think we're to that point yet oh we're not we're probably we're nowhere near it but like I said for shits and giggles just being take. very very you're, you're a glass half full guy with the yeah, Sabres right hot take hot take full steam ahead if they win if they win opening night against Montreal the full steam ahead to the playoffs Let's go, Buffalo. They're going to do it for RJ because it's going to be his last season. Yeah. And they definitely – and let's be honest, we really want RJ to call one more playoff game. Let's be R- RJ, uh, I mean, RJ deserves to call another playoff game. I wish my – I just wish RJ one, for one time in his career got to call a Stanley Cup uh, win for the Sabres. I get we were close a couple times for him. We just couldn't get the job done. Um, yep. It is sad to see RJ go considering – for me and you, at least, he was a big part of our lives growing up. He is probably one of the best hockey commentators of all time. He's other commentators of all time. And he's yeah. just been unreal. Um, going on 51 years, he wanted to end it on 50. But because of COVID, he wanted to be in the uh, the crowd with or in the stadium with the fans back. So I respect it. So it's definitely going to be a sad night when it's his last night calling a game. Like, I do want to go to his last game in Buffalo where he's calling it. But I also want to hear the call of his like last game in Buffalo. So I just if I want to watch it on TV or just go to, to something tier like downtown, watch it on the big screen, and then just like you know do whatever afterwards. Yeah, but I I do have a hot take for the uh for hockey. I do have one hot take. I think the Devils are going to make the Stanley Cup final. That is a very hot take, there, good sir. I, I just like the moves they made in the off season. I they did. I think I think, I think I just think Dougie Hamilton is just like I, I think it's that step they needed to get to trying to trying to figure out like why Carolina let him go and how why he went to New Jersey of all teams. Uh, I know the Devils are. I I know coming as a Sabres fan, like yeah, okay, like ooh, the Devils, like they're trash, but like I'm a Sabres fan, so like you know I can't be saying much, but I still, think the Devils wants- are going to return to their glory days. Their glory days of when Marty Brodeur took them to three Stanley Cups. Yep. 
Oh boy, that's that's okay. All right, I love that hot take. I will mark. We're marking all these hot takes down. I wish this was like inside the NBA, where like you know Ernie Johnson like has all the sticky notes of Charles Barkley's hot takes and just marks them all down. But the thing is, though, is like I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Like I would run out of room for all of our hot takes on the podcast <laughs> in my apartment, and I'm also afraid that I can't reach areas there where I like above my kitchen cabinets. Maybe we so, can just start marking them down on our phones. Just someone, whenever we have a hot take, just one of us put it in our phones in the notes, so we can just go back and look at how many, how many times we were probably we we're probably a lot more wrong than we are, right? Oh, oh, probably a lot more wrong. But the thing is, though, is uh, one hot take still stood true. When when I said the Montreal Canadiens would go to last season's Stanley Cup final, I was still I'm still proud of myself for that one. I am proud of you for that too because I did not see that. I no one saw it coming. No one saw it coming. Hot take. Montreal wins the Stanley Cup. <sighs> Hot take. Montreal doesn't even make the playoffs this year. There's no shit. There's no Montreal wouldn't have made the playoffs last year. The divisions weren't aligned how they are. No, well, I mean, they got hot at the right time, and you're correct on that one. Um, uh, that's actually more of a joke uh, take, actually. Okay, okay. Um, but uh, I think Cole Caulfield will be – Cole Caulfield scoring I think, I think Cole, Caulfield, Cole Caulfield MVP this year for sure. Cole Caulfield scoring 40 goals, and he's going to have 95 points. Did you see Tre- did you see Trevor Zargas' tweet about that? That's what I'm what going off of. One of his buddies just throws it out there, like another pressure he has on him. He's like, yo, he's got to tell him, like, yo, you shouldn't have put that online. <laughs> 40 no, goals and 95 no, points. I do think Cole Caulfield can seriously make uh, Nate, uh, can seriously try to win the uh, MVP this year. The Hart Cole Trophy. Caulfield, 40 goals, 95 points. Mark that down on your phone, sticky note, whatever. Friends of the pod. Um, uh, I know a friend of the pod is an anti-Cole Caulfield uh, account. Um, uh, he doesn't like him, but guess what? Mark it down. 40 goals, 95 points. MVP conversation. Carries Montreal to the playoffs. All right, I like that. Um, uh, and a player that I really wish was on the Buffalo Sabres, but that's a side issue there. Um, uh, but do you have any other hockey takes? Um, uh, I'm glad that we talked hockey and not just ruining our mental health. Uh, I really am. Um, uh, cause let's be honest, uh, as much as I have my hot take about the Sabres making the playoffs, it's going to be a painful, se- long, painful, sad season. Potentially. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like I said, I would take the over on our wins this year, but I don't think we make playoffs. Uh, I think I think we're going to be better than people think we're going to be. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't think we'll completely shit the bed. I really don't. But speaking of shitting the bed, let's move on. I want to get on my soapbox again about the Yankees. Very inconsistent baseball team. Had a 13-game win streak. Seven and fifteen, seven and fifteen, eight and fifteen. After that, stre- after that, one of the worst stretches in baseball. They were leading the wild card, and now they find themselves in a three-horse wild card race with their division rivals, Toronto Blue Jays, and the uh, ma- their main rival, Boston Red Sox. And after they complete the series against Texas, they have an off day tomorrow. Then they hit the road for six games, where their season could end potentially. They face Toronto in Toronto. No, I'm sorry. They face Boston in Boston and then Toronto in Toronto. And those six games could make or break the Yankees season. And they need – they can't lose a game. They cannot lose a game against those against those two teams. They need to go 6-0. and as, as much as I don't think it could happen based on how inconsistent they've been, they need to go 6-0. and 
the offense the offense actually like is very inconsistent too like one not like they like against Cleveland they route they they routed them on Friday then they get routed on Saturday and Sunday and they showed up last night winning seven to one as as we're recording tonight they've only it's three three right now against Texas so it goes to show that they're very inconsistent but the thing is though is that they have Luis Severino back they're going to get Domingo Herman back, however well that goes. Um, but those next six games are going to make or break the Yankees season. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Half of me wants the Yankees to make the playoffs because postseason because obviously that's my team. But at the same time, I also want Aaron Boone gone because he is a moron of a manager. And I feel like I can run, manage that team better. Then again, most Yankee fans feel like they can do better than Aaron Boone. Yeah, I kind of gave up on baseball um, towards the end of the season just based on the fact that the Mets just still are a absolute dumpster fire of a team. Yeah, Kings of New I mean, York. Right now, yeah, right now we're down 11-2 in the top of the six to Boston. We just lost to Boston last night, 6-3. You to fuckers three. can't even do me a favor. Damn you. Nope. Um, but I, I've kind of given up on the baseball season for me. Um, the Mets, is like I said, just an absolute dumpster fire, even with Lindor back. Nothing can go our way. But but he's the king of New York. You know, you guys, I thought after you beat the, you know, he was trash-talking the Yankees. He hit three home runs against the Yankees. Oh, we're making the postseason. Oh, we're back. Uncle Steve is going to help us get to the promised land. Blah, um, uh, and you guys need a lot of help. And then, yeah, we beat, we take two out of three against you guys. Then we go get swept by the Cardinals. So Yeah, the Cardinals. Like Cardinals, they're making the postseason. Yeah, they they're that, They got that, that second wild card spot right that's now. That's kind of where I kind of gave up on our season. We got swept by the Cardinals. Cardinals um, are looking pretty good right now. I can't believe. I do want to say this though. As much as the Mets have been a disappointment, based on who they have, the Padres have been a bigger disappointment. That is very true. I remember at the beginning of the season, me and you were talking about how they were going to be one of the top teams in the league. I said in a way, way earlier podcast, like before the season started, I said that the Padres were going to win the end and we're going to win the National League pennant. And uh, I'm looking like an idiot right now. I also said the Yankees were going to win the American League pennants and both of my team, both the teams I picked to go to the World Series may very well not make the postseason. So I look like an idiot right now based on how they've been performing. So fuck you, San Diego. Stay classy, you fuckers. And Yankees, get your shit together. Yeah, I mean, you know actually really surprised me this year, though, um, in terms of the AL, is the Mariners. Mariners. America's team. America's true team, the Mariners. Um, uh, pretty much out of it um, uh, for the wild card, but they were a lot better than everybody expected. They were in the hunt for the longest time. Yeah, they still really could. Yeah, no. I mean, probably won't be grabbing a wild card spot because they will probably be going to, I would assume, the Red Sox, and probably the Blue Jays. Like I said, the Yankees need to win tonight, and they need to win their next six. Otherwise, their season is done. The good thing for you guys about the Blue Jays is they are very inconsistent. So the Blue Jays actually can – the Blue Jays are like the Yankees, very inconsistent. But the thing is, though, is that the Blue Jays have enough offense to get the job done, and Robbie Ray is – a Cy Young candidate. But the thing is, though, is like the Toronto bullpen is probably the worst in all of Major League Baseball, hence why 
the meat, hence why the Buffalo media, when they were here in Buffalo, gave them the nickname the Toronto Arson Squad because they just completely just put themselves on fire and completely shit the bed. And, well, now Boston, we're going into hostile territory. <laughs> They're not coming here. We're going into hostile territory. So we'll see how those series go. But enough of my soapbox moment there. <laughs> Um, uh, do you have any other final thoughts here? Uh, I do not. Oh, well, I do actually. Have you, have you ever felt, have you ever been able to feel what it's like to live out a dream of yours? Uh, like, what do you mean? Like I've done something in my life that I've always dreamed of doing or like, like I had a dream and then. uh, Yes. You've always done something you've always wanted to do. You've you've dreamt about doing it. You've like, all right, I'm going to do this And, and you do it. Yeah, I guess so. You guess so? All right. Yeah, well, I have, yeah. You have, yeah? I have. Uh, I, I don't think I have. I don't know if I have. I can't say I have. But you know who ha- But you know who can say they have? I don't know where this is going. The vice president of Suriname can say he has done oh, what he Oh, did. yeah. So, you know where I'm going with this now. Yes, I do. This is too funny. Too fucking hilarious. So, for those that don't... For those that listen to the podcast that really don't follow soccer, in the CONCACAF region, which is North and Central America, us, Mexico, the Caribbean, Panama, Guatemala, all that, um, they have a competition called the CONCACAF League, which is like the Europa League over in Europe, which is a secondary continental competition to the CONCACAF Champions League. So the vice president of Suriname who is 60 years old yesterday played in a CONCACAF league match for the team that he owns because in the Caribbean, if you're in politics, you also own a sport, a soccer team, apparently. Um, And he played himself up top as striker. And so while I found this completely baffling and hilarious, I couldn't believe what I was reading that they let this act that they actually let this happen but i guess if you're the vice president of the country and you own the team anything fucking goes i guess so he ended up playing he played 54 minutes of a 90 minute match which means he played a whole half and he ended up playing nine more minutes into the second half before finally taking himself out because he realized that he was too fucking old to keep running up and down a pitch um he eventually they eventually ended up losing his team six they lost his team lost six nil Six nothing at the end of the match. So at the end of the game, it was there were images being spread around of him pay, giving out money to players and staff of the team for letting him do that. And then also after the game, apparently the stadium was renamed after him as well. So did they win? I said they lost six nil. Oh, uh, sorry, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry, I blacked out for a second. <laughs> oh boy blacked out jesus christ yeah so he lost uh six nil six nil um uh so so does the owner fire himself for losing or does he just put himself up top as striker uh in the next match maybe he just finds it maybe he just finds a new position for himself (laughs) yeah goalkeeper right i mean he did not look like he can move for a goalkeeper like he can't even move for a striker let alone a goalkeeper i mean the guy guy had one of the biggest beer guts i've ever seen in that jersey (laughs) He's 60 for fuck's sake. 60. I couldn't believe that. When I saw that, I'm like, wait, what is this real life? 
is no, when I sent that to you, I thought it was a joke. It kind of looked like it kind of looked like Akin Fenwa. Like if you take a weird quick look at it, then you look, you're like, oh no, that's a beer belly. That's a that's a big beer belly. Akin <laughs> Fenwa. Now that's an English legend, let me tell you. But um uh yeah, no, I could not help my 60 years old playing in a professional sanctioned professional soccer match for 54 minutes. Conky calf. Stay classy, you fuckers, with your terrible pitches. The and circus your, calf. Your circus calf, yeah. Circus calf. Oh, God. Stay classy, circus calf. Never change. Uh, I hope that CONCACAF stays forever, long after we are all gone, so that generations to come will un- will finally, will eventually get to understand how much of a circus it is compared to actual soccer. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and they gotta figure it out. I they hope they really never do. I hope we dominate for years to come. I hope we dominate CONCACAF for years to come and it never changes. I hope the hostile environments with the riot squads and the laser pointers and the and the corrupt politicians playing in actual games and terrible prison-like pitches, I hope it all stays the same long after I'm gone. And if you actually really think that, I no. I want... It, it, it needs to change. I think it if I had the money to do that, though, I definitely would play to play in a professional sports game. You should just buy the Cheek to Wagga White Eagles and play yourself as striker. We can't even play in the USL two. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I played striker and I got like zero touches some game just because the ball was in our hand all half. It was a joke. But no, if I could pay, like, I, I would pay if I had the money. I would pay a lot of money to go play like in the Masters at Augusta. That, no, that, exactly. No, I'll, that I'll would. Go be... sh- I'll go shoot. A, I'll go shoot a pretty one hundred fifty out there. That would be like. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to think. That would be like, I'm trying to think of a Buffalo billionaire. Carl Palladino. That would be like Carl Palladino, who has his own controversial past, um, a history that I'm not going to talk about because <laughs> we're a sports podcast. But if Carl Palladino bought the Buffalo Bills and decided to put himself at quarterback for a game, bench Josh Allen, put himself at quarterback for a game. I think someone and- would kill him. <laughs> somebody would kill well not that not only that he probably would die after taking one hit anyways because he's like 80 years old That's but true. like or you think the fans were mad that the politician was playing they had to be right like if they saw who was playing striker like who's that guy <laughs> they're like who the fuck is that then they realize oh that's our vice president like, hey they see the name like that can't be the vice president right then they see him walk on the picture like yeah that's the vice president that would be not now in a more realistic sense imagine if jerry jones actually decided to like bench ezekiel elliott and say i'm running back this week fuck it i'll do it myself he'd probably be, be better than zeke right now probably probably but hey I found that hilarious. I know you found that hilarious. I knew you didn't know where I was going with that, and I'm glad. But I'm glad that I was able to mention that because it's 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 kind of like our shit house of the week, I guess. It, it's kind of, like it, it's too like it's too stupid to be real, but it's real. <laughs> it's real, exactly. <laughs> Conky calf, stay classy. Um, but on that note. That concludes another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. You can listen and subscribe to us on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any preferred podcast platform of your choosing. You can also follow us on Twitter. We do have a Twitter account. I have not been able to be active. I do apologize. Um, I was active a couple days ago with a couple polls, but uh, I will try to be better there. Sorry, I have a full-time job. Really don't get a lot of downtime (laughs) as I'm in training, but... 
until our next episode, next week we'll have more takeaways from week three. We'll figure out what else to talk about too uh, as we continue to get right, towards will be concluded. We can talk about that. We can get into more baseball as the regular season gets ready to close out. But until then, everybody, just keep on keeping on, all right? Thank you.